Welcome to the Nightmare Emporium. Here we take a deep dive into some grisly tales that are bound to make you lose your head. Now, let's check in with our host, the macabre Marvel herself, to see what she has in store for us this week. <laughs> Should have known better when it started happening at 3 a.m. I can't sleep. Not any more than three to four hours a night. It's been like this for years now. Because I can't sleep, I want to share what I've experienced with anyone who's still awake and has ever thought about communicating with the dead. It's a long story, but I hope you'll take something useful from it. Let me pour myself a much needed drink and I'll start at the beginning. Gina's funeral. Gina didn't look dead. In fact, she looked like she would get up from the casket at any moment and walk away. We had just seen each other the week before when we went to the movies. How could she be dead just six days later? She was my best friend and a big part of my life. We had known each other since third grade and experienced a lot of firsts together, like going to concerts, camping, becoming teenagers, the first day of high school. There were other things too, like sharing our first cigarette, sneaking out to meet with guys from our class, and getting our first piercing together. My parents didn't find out about mine until I was 17. Gina's parents, however, never found out about hers. That was one secret she took to the grave. From in front of her body, Father Roy's voice carried down the church aisle and settled into each and every pew. My soul is deprived of peace and I have forgotten what happiness is. I tell myself my future is lost, all that I hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my homeless poverty is wormwood and gall. Remembering it over and over leaves my soul downcast within me. I knew that passage. Laminations 3, 17. It was from the Old Testament. Gina's parents were very devout Catholics. I had no doubt one of them chose that passage. Looking over at her mom, I watched her wipe away tears from red and swollen eyes. The rest of the passages read during the funeral mass were a blur to me. I couldn't focus because I was lost in my own thoughts as to why it was acceptable for God to subject others to this kind of pain. How could taking the life of a 15-year-old girl be his will? Where was the logic in that? I was raised Catholic. I always found it easy to accept the inexplorability of God's will. However, at Gina's funeral that day, that was the first time I questioned it. I was just 15 years old. A few days had passed since the funeral. I had a corkboard in my room over my laptop with pictures of Gina and me. My favorite picture was of us on a school trip to the beach for a biology class. That was the day we had our first cigarette. She had taken a few from her cousin when she was over the night before. Gina and I snuck off from the group to smoke one. Before coming back, we doused ourselves in body spray, thinking it would cover up the smell of the cigarette. I'm sure we suffocated everybody on the bus on the way back with how much we used. I really missed her. 
I don't remember how the idea came to mind, but I sat at my laptop and haphazardly typed into the search bar, how to communicate with the dead. In retrospect, not the best thing to search for. I must have done it because it was cathartic for me. There were pages of results detailing how to communicate with the dead from unspecified experts, non-Christian spiritual sources, and the like. One result caught my eye through a message board where users posted a variety of ways to contact the dead. No spiritual or expert sources, just real everyday people. The message board I was talking about focused on necromancy. I clicked the link and scrolled through several of what they called recipes. Some were too complicated, like I'd have to wait until a certain day of the year for the moon to be in the right phase, whatever that meant, or too many items were needed that I didn't have and probably couldn't get. I ended up making an account and writing a post asking for help in contacting Gina. I received some replies a few hours later. Try filtering posts by most popular. I'm curious to see what others are going to suggest. Try this one, it might work for you, with a link to a recipe I'd already seen. At the bottom of the page, there was a comment with a link titled Red Thread. I hadn't seen this one yet, so I clicked on it. The post was by a user who deleted their account. Ingredients. Spool of red thread. Scissors. A small personal item that the person gave to you. It must be something they gave to you, not a personal item that you took from them. The intention of giving creates a connection between you and the person, which is embodied by the item, and a small bell. Directions. Tie the red thread around the object so it's secure. Bury the object at least three feet into the ground with the thread sticking out. Loosely tie the other end of the thread around something nearby, above ground. Cut the thread with the scissors, leaving a few inches to tie the bell at the end. Kneel in front of the buried object and with both hands, place the scissors into the ground above the object. Remove the scissors after sunrise the next day. If or when the deceased is ready to communicate, the bell will ring. You may say whatever you please to them, but for them to reply, you must ask questions that can be answered with yes or no. Once the bell rings for the first time, tell the deceased whether yes or no are one or two rings of the bell. On my right hand, I used to wear a gold ring that Gina gave to me. I wore it every day, religiously. That's what I decided to use as my gifted object. Trying to contact the dead was my first mistake. Using a gold ring was my second. My mom liked to do needlepoint and sew, so finding a spool of thick red thread and scissors was easy. I took the small silver bell from the Christmas decorations in the attic. After collecting the items on the list, I went to the backyard. Following the directions, I buried the gold ring in the back corner of the yard, near the base of a tree where the thread in the bell wouldn't be easily visible. I tied the thread around the lowest branch, my third mistake, attached the bell to the end, and inserted the scissors blades into the ground. I stood up. Looking at the pile of freshly dug dirt and the thread on the tree, I felt ridiculous, but I had to try. I removed the scissors after sunrise the next day.
The next few days were uneventful. I figured there was no way to really contact her, and I began to accept that she was gone. That is, until the first ring of the bell came at 3 a.m. I was up late when I heard it. I looked out my bedroom window, which faced the backyard. I couldn't see the bell or thread because of where I placed everything, so I went outside. Standing in front of the thread, everything was quiet, and the bell wasn't moving. I thought maybe it was the wind that had made it ring, or maybe I'd imagined it. As I started to head back in, it rang. Turning around, I watched the thread dance and the bell ring. A cold flash washed over me. The bell kept ringing. I could see the dirt around the thread move. I had no idea how that was possible. Gina? Remembering what the post on the forum said, I knelt down. Gina, one ring for yes and two rings for no, okay? And that is how I communicated with Gina for the next three years. The bell usually didn't ring unless I asked a question. However, sometimes it would ring a few times on its own at 3 a.m. Knowing what I know now, I should have seen that as the first sign of something being very, very wrong. After the first few months of communicating with her this way, I felt at ease. I spent a lot of time in the yard filling her in on what was happening at school, how much people missed her, and telling her about my own experiences that sadly we wouldn't get to go through together. Years later, my mom told me that she thought talking to Gina out loud was my way of processing and coping with her death. How my mom reacted when she finally found out about the thread and bell many years later is a story for another time. As I got older, I didn't spend as much time in the yard with Gina anymore. I used to talk with her a few times a day. Now it was maybe once every few days or once a week. That's when things started happening around the house. Items went missing, lights would turn on and off by themselves, and I'd hear the floorboards creak at night. A lot of that could be explained away, though, by people losing things, electrical problems, and the house settling. I shouldn't have ignored these signs because that's when things got worse. When I was 17, I woke up one morning at 3 a.m to the bell ringing violently on the thread. My mouth went dry and I froze. There was someone standing by the tree where the ring was buried. It was dark and didn't feel right. At first, I thought it could be Gina, but it was too tall. I figured I must be seeing things. I headed to the yard to look around. There was nothing there. The thread and bell were still until I started talking to her. Gina? Was that you ringing the bell? Is there something that you want? Was that you standing in front of the tree? I felt an overwhelmingly cold sensation from behind me. Whatever it was, it felt like it was engulfing me in a frigid pocket of air. Mind you, this happened mid-July when the nights were hot. Carefully stepping to the side, I slowly moved away from the cold spot until I felt like I was a safe distance away from it. In front of the tree stood a seven-foot-tall dark figure with no facial features. The best way I can describe it was it looked like the blurred outline of a man, 
but the proportions weren't right. The arms and legs were too long to belong to a person, and the figure had a gaunt shape to it. The only thing separating it from me was 50 feet of grass. I began slowly walking backwards until I reached the sliding glass patio door. I ran inside and quickly locked the door behind me. Whatever it was, was facing my direction, and I could see it pull on the thread, making the bell ring as it stared at me with eyes I couldn't see. It just stood there. I closed the blinds and went back to my room. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night, and I was too afraid to look out my bedroom window to see if it was still there. I laid awake, staring at the ceiling. The next morning, I went out to the yard, thinking I'd find an explanation for what I saw last night. My eyes stung from lack of sleep, and I found it hard to be out in the sunlight. I slowly made my way to where I buried the ring. I stopped once I got there, and what I saw disturbed me. Around the burial site were three dead mourning doves, with their wings spread and positioned in the shape of a triangle. It looked like their necks had been broken, and the one at the top of the triangle had a small bit of blood on its beak. This is when things got worse for me. Doors started slamming when I was alone at home, and the sinks and bathtub would be randomly full of water, even though they weren't plugged and no water was running. I also started finding more dead birds, and eventually other small animals, around the ring's burial site every morning, always in the shape of a triangle. Unfortunately, these weren't the only things happening. One morning, at 3 a.m., the bell started ringing. I tried to ignore it. I was afraid to look out the window and see the thing ringing the bell. It felt like it was doing it just to taunt me. What I've learned, though, is that when something from the other side wants to get your attention, it will do whatever it takes to get it. The bell stopped ringing at exactly 3.32 a.m. I let out a small sigh of relief. Maybe I'd get to sleep tonight. I was very wrong. At exactly 3.33 a.m., that's when there were three loud knocks at my bedroom door. Looking back, I now know that the three knocks were like the three rings of the bell, only at the time I didn't know what it meant. My heart began to race. In that moment, I knew the dark figure I saw ringing the bell was now less than 10 feet from me on the other side of the door. I grabbed my rosary from the nightstand beside my bed and quietly got up. Crouching on the floor, I tried to look under the door gap to see if anything was there. Under the gap, it was dark, unnaturally dark. In fact, it was darker than it was in my room and what should be in the hallway. Not pitch black, but like a wavering dark haze was blocking the door gap. I was close enough to the door to see it vibrate from the knocking. My hands shook as I looped the rosary over the doorknob, hoping it would offer me some protection. I wanted to yell out for help, but I couldn't find my voice. All I could do was sit on the floor against my bed and listen to the knocking. That's where I stayed for the rest of the night. It didn't stop until 5 a.m. After that experience, I was certain it wasn't Gina. Was I ever talking to her? 
I knew I needed help at this point. The dark figure was so close to me the night before. Next time, what if it was beside my bed? I thought about just cutting the thread, removing the bell, and digging up the ring. I didn't do it, though. The reason is that there's usually a way to end communication with whatever you're talking to, like when you use a Ouija board. I didn't want to do the wrong thing and make things even worse, though I don't know if that was even possible. I went back to the message board to read the red thread post again and ask for help. Thankfully, the board was still up and very active. I wrote a long post detailing everything that had happened, Gina's death, the red thread, and what had been happening over the past few years, including how things seemed fine in the beginning but were now a mess. I got mixed replies. Is this for real? No, OP. Just no. Get out of here. Has anything else been happening besides what you've mentioned? Not to scare you, but three rings or knocks at 3 a.m. means you're dealing with something malicious. Malicious. That last word caused my breathing to become rapid and shallow. When I calmed down, I asked for more information, and that's when I was confronted by the possibility that the dark figure was demonic. At the time, I felt blindsided. You would think, out of all people, a Catholic would have picked up on the theme of threes in the activity going on and made a connection that it was something unholy. We never talked about things like that at church. Of course, the devil was mentioned in some services, but not other demons. I thought he was the only one. I was very wrong. I went back to the red thread recipe to see if I could figure out who the original contributor was. Maybe they could help me, or at least tell me what I did wrong in the recipe to summon this thing. The account was still deleted. I went through the comments and found one by a user who sounded familiar with the original poster. Creepy. We should give it a shot over the summer. Luckily, the user's account was still active, so I sent them a message and gave them the link to my post asking for help. Turns out, they knew the original poster offline and said they'd show them my post. I didn't hear anything back for six long days. During that time, the knocks and sets of three became nightly occurrences. I was exhausted. I hadn't slept more than a few hours a night during that week. Finally, on the seventh day, I got a message. Hey, I talked to my friend. He said he made up the recipe. He used to be a big fan of that forum and wanted to add something to it. As far as I know, none of that stuff is real. My heart sank. It wasn't real? The three knocks on my door, keeping me up at night and terrifying me, were very real. The thread moving and the bell ringing were very real. The sinks and bathtub full of water and dead birds were very real. And more recently, my doorknob shaking at night like something was trying to open the door. That was also very real. Things were getting progressively worse. I posted again on the forum asking for advice on what I should do. I was too afraid to go to my parents or the church for help. They would have thought I was insane. Even my parents said they didn't hear the knocking at night. Everything that happened, happened to me when I was alone. 
I now know it was trying to isolate me, and it did. The best piece of advice I got from the forum was, if it's a demon, figuring out its name may help you get rid of it. It probably won't just tell you, though. You either need to figure it out on your end or trick it into telling you. Be careful. After that, I became a regular on online paranormal forums and communities. That's actually what led me to telling you this. As far as a name, I learned that if I opened a door between this world and another, I couldn't just go blurting out a list of demon names. That would have made things much worse. By calling out other names, I'd risk inviting those demons into my life. I thought about using a Ouija board, but that was out of the question. Doing that could open another doorway for things to come through, or I could call attention to the one that was already open. I thought about bribing it into telling me its name, but I was afraid to ask what it would want. I'm sure the answer would have been me. A few years have passed and I'm now 22. You're probably wondering why I experienced everything I've told you about if the recipe was fake. After years of reading about the paranormal, I may have figured it out. Yes, the recipe was fake. All supernatural recipes and rituals online are. However, it's not the recipe that matters. It's the items and surroundings which you bring together. Let me explain. The recipe said to tie a thread around an object gifted to you. That object could have been anything Gina gave me, but I chose the gold ring I wore. In the Old Testament, gold is symbolic of greed, one of the seven deadly sins. The color of the thread was red. Coincidentally, this is the only thing the recipe asked for that has some spiritual symbolism to it. Both thread and the color red are symbolic. In some circles, thread is thought to connect the world of the living with other planes of existence. What those planes are is open-ended. Maybe heaven, hell, purgatory, other dimensions? Not surprisingly, red is associated with blood. Typically in a religious context, blood symbolizes sacrifice, which has a positive connotation. However, it also symbolizes life, sacrifice, and death. With such a wide range of what the color symbolizes, bringing red thread together with objects that symbolize negativity like greed can be a problem. The recipe said to tie this thread to something above ground so the bell can ring. I could have tied it to a lot of things, but I chose a tree. Specifically, the trig in the yard is a fig tree. This tree symbolizes a few things, among those is lust. Like greed, lust is one of the seven deadly sins. Last, the bell. I guess this is another item that the recipe coincidentally asked for that has a meaning behind it. Bells can mean a lot of things. Amongst these, the ringing of a bell signals the arrival of supernatural energy. That energy can be positive or negative. Unfortunately, in my case, it was negative. So what does this mean? I've learned that combinations of objects based on their features, i.e. color, material, and purpose, can trigger a reaction. The reaction can be harmless, go unnoticed, or even be dangerous. 
What reaction you get depends on what combination you end up with. For example, what if I had tied the thread around a book or crystal Gina gave me? What if I used blue instead of red thread? What if I tied the thread to something other than a fig tree? Would I have still summoned this thing? Would I have been able to talk to Gina again? Would I have contacted something else? I think about it all the time. Some of the objects in the recipe were up to me to choose. I ended up with a combination of object features that could be one to a million odds or more. I believe this is the reason the recipe, quote, worked for me. This combination would never have come together if I wasn't trying to contact the dead. I still live in my childhood home where I summoned Gina. I live here alone now. So far, I've had no luck figuring out the dark figure's name. Occasionally, I go out in the yard and speak the name of what demon I think it could be. I've compiled a list of possible names based on clues I've collected, i.e. the morning doves, sinks full of water, triangles, etc. I don't dare try more than one name at a time or say a name without a rosary in my hand. You're probably wondering why I don't just sell the house and move, but that won't help. It's followed me before. I stayed in a hotel for a few days a while back just to try and get some sleep. I saw the figure every night, heard knocking, and even the bell ringing. I should mention that out of frustration and exhaustion, I cut the red thread six months ago. I still hear the bell ringing and the knocking at 3 a.m., though the knocking now happens all over my house and not just at my bedroom door. Sometimes I hear it from the floor, too. I don't know what that means, but I've placed a rosary around each door of the house. I think it discourages it from following me from room to room. I don't know if it works, but I'd like to think that it does. This has been my life for the last six years. During that time, I've been given some good advice that has helped me figure out what is happening to me. In return, I want to give some good advice to anyone hearing this. Leave the dead be. Don't try to contact any spirit. It's better that way. Well, well, wasn't that just a scream? Until next time, our fiendish friends. Remember to stay scared, and sometimes it's more than just a story. <laughs>